All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pabratsky alongside Issa, our new St. Thomas beat reporter. She is crushing it at just up, just up the up the street from St. Thomas, as as St. Thomas announcers are are wont to say in the capital city. So we are, <laughs> and we'll get into that later on with with Audrey, who's a St. Pauli. So head coach Sheila McGill, Sheila, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I'm going to let Issa kick things off. Okay, so you guys have had a really strong start to the season. Talk about, like, your first impressions now that you're a little bit deeper into um, the season. Yeah, I mean, really one of the things we wanted to build on from last year was consistency, and I think that that's something that we really focused on, especially the defensive mindset that it's not just four defenders that are defending, it's an entire unit that defends. So for us, really, that was one of the big piece that we came forward in our our returners from last year did such an amazing job of working hard through it, especially all spring. They really asked questions. They really tried to learn exactly how to play the system so that when the questions were were arising this season, they were able to help the next person. And so because of that, we've really been um, defensively as a unit um, able to tuck in and be, be present together, which then allows us to explode out better as well. Yeah, you talked a little bit about sort of the, the growth right there, but I think for people who maybe weren't super familiar with St. Thomas beforehand, or maybe didn't, well, I mean, no one has seen this kind of jump before where you go from D3 to D1. Right. I think last year, you know, if you look at like statistically or record or whatever, there's, you know, of the 300 D1 teams in the country, maybe you all were in that lower third. And I think already this year, you basically jumped a whole tranche, like into mm -hmm. sort of that middle class of, of college teams, which, I don't think people probably fully appreciate like how kooky that is to do that in one year. Talk about just like that jump from sort of year one to year two of sort of that can that that big jump in one single year from year one to two. Yeah, I think that our biggest thing as well is is having been part of a successful program before we even became Division One. The soccer was good soccer. You know, and so now we get to add better players into that soccer and learning that system. So a lot of times with the youth of, you know, your team in a new transition where you had last year, we had 12 freshmen. And this year we have 22 players that are freshmen or sophomores. I mean, it just it's amazing when you look at the, the, the rate of the players that are coming up, the fact that they're learning as quickly as they are. So for us, that was a really big step. We wanted the learning to be happening last year, and that's why. We didn't sit in and did just a defensive mindset or a defensive shell. We wanted to try and play. We wanted them to have that experience so that when they come out, whether it's in the spring or whether it's this fall again, they were ready to play, to really play, not to reteach them a new system now that they can go forward. You know, so I think that that was a big piece for us was really trying to get players who, one, have the personality that want to work with us and that want to be part of a, a, something bigger than themselves. To me, that's huge. And team chemistry is an enormous part of our team. And so that was one big piece. We wanted players who wanted to, to come in to work for this and to know that this is building and this is going to build quickly if we do it well. And so that was the really exciting part is everybody's really bought in and they're asking questions and they're doing what they need to do. And, and we've had a really great response from it, from the team. And because of it, all of a sudden it's translating into really big steps. Issa, you got this one? Yeah. Um, so what are some like pieces of like you know like traveling from d3 to like d1 that have been like a surprise for you uh to be honest the biggest surprise and frustration is paperwork 
Um, it's, <laughs> there's so much more paperwork for everything you have to do. Um, you know, you, you can't just call a kid and be like, hey, come and visit. Instead, you're like, okay, you want to visit? I want you to visit. But now you have to fill out this, 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 and this, and I have to fill out all this stuff. And if we do it at the same time, then we might be able to get you on uh, in campus in time. So it's just it's kind of an interesting dynamic from that side of it. It's just the the paperwork piece of it, just making sure that we have everything doing it the right way. And I think that that's something St. Thomas has done an excellent job of, as really giving us the information so that we are doing it the right way. And I think that that's been you know could be a huge challenge when it's a big jump from three to one like that. Um, most of us as coaches that had been part of obviously the D3 programs before had never done any of that. So I think that that's been, been really challenging, but that's where having great assistant coaches as well, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on coaching. You can help with that, please. You know, and they've been awesome. They've been great. They've been like, got it. I got it. Perfect. And you, you talked a, a little bit about institutional support there. A little birdie did tell me that maybe uh, scholarship support was increased from year one to year two. I don't know. Is that, no, I mean, we, we knew what we were going to have regardless. So no, that that hasn't changed for us whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. Because I know, I know that such a huge build out for the university in general is like going, you sort of spoke to it, but then on a scale yeah. of you know 25 sports of just the infrastructure and you have a whole development team and then you have a whole whatever. So, I mean, that probably, that's been going on for years because there was sort of anticipation for it, but that, yeah. that build out must be nuts of just like- well, we, just, we just had a, our first athletic, full athletic department meeting that used to be able to be in one small classroom. Um, and now we filled like an entire auditorium space. Like it was crazy the amount of, of people that they have put into support roles and into helping us through all of this stuff it's really helping obviously on all dynamics from a marketing to budgeting to um to facilities to i mean just you name it and it's all been just ramped up so quickly that everyone's kind of learning as we go so we go to them and they're like okay how, what are we going to do uh you want to do this okay let's see if we can figure it out we'll do it you know like and so it's just been really interesting from that side of it to see the the learning process happening on both sides of it and we always joke saying that we're building the airplane as we're flying it, you know, it's, it's just, but it's great. It's been really fun to see the amount of support that St. Thomas has been able to give us. Our admins have been really supportive and doing such a great job. So from that side of it, we've been really happy. And you spoke earlier about just how incredibly young this team is. I think one way you phrased it, or maybe I looked at the roster, it's, you know, four players who aren't freshmen or sophomores, or, you know, that's probably roughly correct. So and it's actually, let me see here, eight. So it's eight. a total of eight, but only four are from our original D3 right. team. Yeah. Right. And so you, you know, those, those veterans, those ones who have carried over, the ones who have been in the program, and then also just the few upperclassmen you do have, talk about sort of what they've brought to the team as you bring in these huge, huge tranches yeah. of recruits of like 10, 11, 12, however many like players at once. Talk about sort of what that upperclassman leadership has provided. Yeah. Well, and I think that the, the role models that have been kind of coming through our system and over the last several years really set us up for success because the team chemistry, like I said, has been such a huge focus for us. And those freshmen have always had amazing seniors that have helped them and treated them as teammates and coached them and were helpful in, in good ways, not coached them in negative ways. Um, and so all of that stuff has been stuff that's been really fantastic to see. So from that side of it, our seniors last year had amazing seniors for them, you know, and so they know what it feels like to have great leadership. So that's what this group is doing as well. So you look at some of our captains like Jasmine Gates, Audrey Vidmar, Shannon McWilliams, and then we have Tess Phillips and um, 
and Alex Balfour are coming in. And those are experienced players. They've been to NCAA tournaments. They've been in big moment games where they have to have composure and they can help us stay calm. They can help us problem solve on the field. They can help us do the things that, you know, they're like, okay, okay, calm down, you know, or, or maybe it's little things like as someone gets fired up about something like, yeah, we don't do that. You know, just little things that the way we treat each other, the way we do stuff, it's, it's ingrained within the team and they're helping create that in the younger classes as well. Right. That's amazing. Um, okay. But there's something that I've, that's been like really like, um, like really like attracting um, by the way that you like substitute and stuff. Um, so like, I just, I just really want to talk about it. Like it, it's like super <laughs> unique to like St. Thomas Um and like the amount of minutes uh, overall for like your bench isn't that out of line with what other programs might do. It is. Um, it is. Like, yeah, like you really stagger out those subs. So it's almost always like there's om- almost always change. Like there's always like fresh legs or like people who've already played a couple of minutes, et cetera, et cetera. And like yeah. um, I've heard that it's been your style for a while. Like talk about how that became your like your second strategy. Well, there's a couple of reasons why we do what we do. So one of the things in particular, we expect them to defend their tails off. I mean, we ask them to run hard. And when it comes down to that, we know that we're asking for more than most people can give. And so because of it, you can give it for a certain amount of time and then let somebody else do it. And that's where they can really encourage each other. But on top of that, too, I think that that dealing with adversity, let's say you have a back line that you only play four players. If someone gets hurt, that back line is out of whack. And so you need to have six, seven players maybe that you can rotate in there at any time. And so the same thing with, you know, your forward lines or your, or your midfield line. If somebody gets out for some reason, whether they're sick or whatever the reason might be, you need to be able to have consistency with play and know how your teammates play off of each other. That's one piece of it. The other piece of it is that as a coach, these girls work hard. They work really hard and they have a lot of talent. And we're, we're trying to get players in because they deserve to be there. I think that that's a really one, one of our biggest challenges that we have is that we don't get to play everybody. You know, I mean, I know that, that that's not what most people do, but at the same time in my head, we have great players that they bring in something new and they're able to step on the field and they're able to all of a sudden score a goal the minute they step on the field. Now, does that mean that they wouldn't have been a great starter? Sure, they would have been a great starter. But at the same time, we want strength all game long, not just in moments. And so we want to put the best combinations together. And so we rearrange all the time where we're like, hey, these two are playing really well off of each other or they're doing this really well off of each other or we just need a little bit of extra speed down that line today. So let's see if we can rearrange it this way. So for us, we've been getting probably anywhere between 20 to 21 players in a game. It's a lot. It's a lot. But at the same time, we're also not exhausting our players, which we had to do a little bit more last year. We didn't have quite as much depth in our bench. So this year we can give them that experience. And if they're we have, like I said, 22 players that are freshmen or sophomores. If we can get them game time experience, it's only going to improve us in, in the long run. And so that's that's one piece that we can that why we really do what we do as well. And I I have to imagine on the transfer side. So you know, Audrey Vidmar will have her on later. You know, she started her career out at Drake. You have a couple other transfers on there. I think you know you and I spoke earlier this fall, and you were really clear that even in your D three era you know, you never sort of looked at someone coming in like a former D1, a former D2, and sort of let them have any special kind of treatment. It was sort of always, let's see what you do in our program. Let's see what you do on the field, all that kind of thing. But I have to imagine that last year, maybe even before that, and especially now this year, 
there's a decent amount of transfer players who are at least maybe reaching out to you or they're throwing their name in the portal. So obviously there's a lot of you reviewing, you know, scrubbing and looking at players in the portal yourself, but talk a little bit about sort of which players have been reaching out, what kind of players have been reaching out to you, how you've developed sort of a compass for how to deal with that transfer process. Yeah. So to be honest, it was, this was a little bit, I mean, St. Thomas has always had transfers, so that's nothing new. But at the same time, in November of last year, we had 16 players reach out in like a two-week span. And it was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, like we're building, you know, we're building things here. And that's what we want to do is we want to build. So from that side of it, I was like, we need to go through this with a little bit more of a fine-tuned phone. So the things that we're looking for is players who want to come in and be part of a team, who want to come in. They Sometimes we get those transfer calls or those transfer emails and they're like, I didn't get along with my coach. They thought I was a defender. I'm a forward, you know, and we're like, yeah, that's probably not the right fit for what we're looking for, you know? So it comes down to personality and attitude because we always kind of look at that as well. Um, but we also are willing to give second chances. You know, I mean, if, if, you know, we've had situations where people come in and, and we talk just very candidly about like our rules, how we treat each other and give people that opportunity. So I think that from that side of it too, it's been really fun to see that the transfer right now, the ones that are more successful are people who know our program and want to be a part of it right. versus you're a new program. I wasn't being successful at my old school and I would want to come in and just think they're going to rule the house here, you know? And that's right. just the way it works. We work hard and we work hard for what we do and we want everybody to do the same when they get here. And so St. Thomas, when we were a D3 school, was was very strong in the sense that we had D1 and D2 players already on our team, whether they transferred in or they chose not to go D1 or D2, even though they had those options. So we've been talking with D1 and D2 transfers for a long time. So there's not a whole lot of newness in that, just the number is new. And so that's the side the side of it as well that we looked at and we got to know those players a little bit more, wanted to see why they're transferring versus um, you know what, what their reasoning was meant something to us. And so I think that that was a big piece as well. Right. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've talked about um, how you're handling um, like players who are reaching out to you, I actually am really curious about like the shape of the roster moving forward. Like, obviously, you guys have had like a ton of recruits each of the last like two years, and like huge classes on the gate to like sort of set this foundation. Um, how does that like levelize over time? Like, you only have like four upperclassmen, and so not a lot of players like like are leaving theoretically. Right. So I think that, that that it will always be a challenge. I think that, that it always comes down to, you know, it's still a division one program. We still have to have the best players on the team. And I think that that's the most important dynamic that we have. But at the same time, in the beginning, we were really recruiting larger classes because we needed depth. We needed depth within our within our program. But for us in particular, now we don't need as much depth, depth as much as we need key players. So I think that that's the piece that we're looking for now. So they don't need to be in very large classes. They can be smaller classes that are very specific to what we're looking for. And so that's where I think it'll start like with our like 24 class and our 25 class. They don't need to be large roster numbers. They just need to be quality players that we need. So I think that from that side of it, that's where it'll start to narrow itself down as well. All right, Coach, really appreciate you coming in. Uh, if, if folks have not been following the Tommies yet, follow them. They play really sort of fun attacking soccer and just about to start Summit League play, which is play. Summit League can be can be brutal. It can be bruising. There's a lot of there's a lot of Minnesotans in the Summit League. It is drowning in Minnesotans. So you are bound yes. to find someone you like. Uh, 
Coach McGill, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And now, moving on to the stars on the field, we have midfielder just bangers all day from this player. Midfielder Cameron Rintel. Cameron, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hello. So, Cameron, we got we're just jumping right in. We we got to ask you about you made I believe Sports Center top ten. I'm sorry we yeah. have to be shared on equal time. Sports Center is like Sports Center top ten is like impossible to get video of. They lock it down. It's absurd. It's not online anywhere. It's crazy town. But you made Sports Center top ten. It is not your only like crazy awesome like goal from distance this year. Is that always been sort of part of your game, or are those ones where this year you just sort of say, "Hey, let's give it a shot. Let's see what the hell happens." Yeah, no, I think I've scored more goals like this season than I have probably like all of high school. Not really a goal scoring player, but it's just kind of happened this year. So I'm going with it. Yeah, you're you're kind of like a, a physical, like in some instances, you're you're holding back there. You're physical, yeah. like holding six and you're just sort of like breaking up play and like being a defensive stalwart. So that's crazy mm -hmm. that you haven't had goals like that. That's wild. I know yeah. well, Issa might. Issa might have some vibes with you. She's also a holding mid. You all are oh, gonna. Okay. You all are gonna vibe. I, yeah, um, genuinely, like you are such an interesting player to watch because, like, I really enjoy like the stuff, like this, like just the way that you carry yourself on the field. Um, it's been like such a joy watching you because, like, I, I would say that I like to play the way you do. So, like, it's it's kind of like fun just like watching someone who would do the same things I do, or just you know, like, um, you know, like the similarities and um yeah but um there are still plenty of fans maybe like learning about the program and like your journey to d1 um for them and for us how would you describe um like your team style of play um i think our team style of play is super possession based like we're looking to find feet as much as we can and it gets challenging sometimes like playing against tough opponents but like that's always what we try to come back to is like finding feet and like I know, like, when I can get the ball a lot, it, like, helps switch the field and other our other midfielders. So it kind of, like, we kind of break down when we can't find our midfield. So I'd say that's the main thing we try to do is, like, to find feed and move up the field. And something we're focusing on moving forward is, like, I mean, today's theme, theme of practice was, like, driving at towards goal. So, so hopefully that's something we can add to our game to kind of light up our attack a bit. Well, and you as a holding midfielder really – sort of have to help set the tone for that possession-based stuff. Yeah. It's like, if, if you, the team wants to play to feet, a lot of the times you have to be the first person to provide the feet. <laughs> yeah. to. Talk yeah. about sort of how that has been as you sort of move into this, you know, it's a high level of play when, you, when you're doing, you're playing D1 soccer, like this is legit, like teams can play. Talk about sort of how that has been for you to feel like I have to be that first connection point of like, I need to face, like, I need to give a good check back. You know, what's what's that been like for you, sort of feeling that pressure in the middle? Um, it's honestly been a little bit hard. It's always something that I've had to, like, I've known that I've had to do. Like, I've played the six, like, pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. And, like, even last year, like, my dad is always telling me, like, you need to be more active, like, you need to be more active. And I'm like, I know, but I've always been kind of scared of, like, making mistakes and, like, losing the ball or something. Right. But I do feel like this year it's kind of something I've, like, gotten over, like, confidence with, like, even just like playing more, like I know, and like having last season, like behind me, like I have a lot more confidence to know that like I can check to this ball and receive it and like make a play. And so I'd say it has to do with like a lot of confidence and just like trusting yourself and what you can do. 
Yeah, and you, I'm, I'm super curious how these conversations go when you're a player. You're thinking about, like, even you admitting, like, it can be, it can be like scary to jump yeah. into this level and be like, all right, game on. I guess I'm like mm-hmm. playing in the midfield as a freshman. I'm really curious when you were getting recruited and that first time you talked to Sheila. First of all, when you know when was that? How long ago was that? But then just what was that what was that conversation like sort of how did she how did she speak about the team and what about it made you think, oh yeah, I want to go do this like really bizarre like thing of transitioning a team in a way that's ever been done? Yeah, so I first to Sheila, I think it was probably right at the start of COVID. So it was like my junior year. And so our assistant coach, Vicky Vargas, was my coach at Shattuck growing up too. Mm-hmm. So I've always like kind of known about St. Thomas. And so Vicky was like, hey, she loves seeing you play a lot. Like she likes you. And then it was kind of like the scary COVID times. And I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to stay close to home or what, but I was like, I might as well email Sheila. And then I talked to Sheila, really enjoyed our conversation. Like she talked so highly of the team and like overall, like our team chemistry, which like every coach is going to say that, of course, but like Sheila really convinced me. And like, now that I'm here, like it couldn't be further from the truth that like team chemistry is like really what drives our program and like contributes to our success. Um, But yeah, I was really excited about being a part of the transition. Um, My dad was on the first division one team at um, Mankato playing hockey so it's kind of like an ironic full circle moment where he was like, he was on the first D1 team and now I was on the first D1 team. So kind of had him in my ear, like telling me tips and tricks to what you got to do. But it was something I was really excited about and I thought it was like a cool opportunity. So I'm really happy that I ended up here and I'm a part of it. Nice. That's an amazing experience to have. Um, yeah. Um, so you've played like 13 games in the last year and you touched on this topic a little bit earlier, um, but this year has been like an absolute, you've been an absolute anchor in the midfield. Like talk about how different it feels just about like having like one year already under your belt. Um, yeah, I think like I got to watch a lot last year and like learn a lot from especially the senior class and being able to like go into a game and almost as like, I don't want to say like the backup, but like, but like you're going in there like to give, someone else a rest and like also bring like what you can to the field and so last year was kind of like not as much pressure like as a freshman like there's not really as much expectations on you you just have to like go out there and prove yourself and so coming into this season I was a little bit like I don't really have that like no pressure anymore like I have expectations for myself like my coaches have expectations for me but I think like having that season of like just being able to like go play and like learn has really like helped me this year to be able to like go out and do my best. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious too. Everyone shows up at camp. Like it's like literally like, all right, let's see what the hell happens. Like everyone is just sort of, you show up that first year and it's just sort of truly anything could be like any, any one of us could be starters. We have no idea like which Mm -hmm. of us will come in and play. We have no idea who will come off the bench. And this year just, like talk about sort of that difference of sort of literally all possible outcomes to now you have this sort of at least some expectation of, okay, we won whatever four games or whatever it was last year. We know we can be better. We know we will be better, Mm -hmm. but talk about just sort of that narrowing of like the uncertainty factor of, Oh, now we actually kind of know what we are. Yeah. I mean, I think the spring last year was like huge in like developing our team because 
I mean, a big group of our team from the spring last year we have this year. Right. And so especially like the midfield, like Soph and Ellie and I, like we were the only midfielders last spring. So we got like lots of reps together and we kind of were like, all right, we like we have to get this down. Like we have to be coming in ready to go. And so I think the spring season played a big role in like as far as like narrowing down and like being ready for this year. And then this year in preseason, we talked a lot about last season, like what went well, what we could do better and really have like focused on specific goals that we want to improve on. And so far we've been hitting our goals and like doing really well. So I'm excited for conference to start and to keep hitting those goals. I think the Issa and I went, I think to like the first day of training camp and mm -hmm. when you all were reporting. And I think I like almost like burst out laughing. And I said to Issa, the minute you all started the first, um, like, I guess you're not supposed to say drill anymore. Am I getting oh. a jet, like activity you all did? <laughs> Okay. The first thing you all did was like uh, players on each side, two players in the middle, and you had to like hold like uh, you were like arm barring a defender like on their back. Oh and just, yeah. Like, hold a defender and yeah. turn pass. Like literally the first the first thing you all did was like like take that pressure, be willing to be physical, yep. like mm -hmm. like move the ball, and it was like the most Sheila thing ever. Like when I saw the activity, I'm like, yeah. well. This isn't the very first thing that they do is like literally like a hold a defender on your back thing. And it was just yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. And we're totally like, even today we did stuff just like that. We did like no ball, just pushing against someone, like being strong and physical. Like that's, it's, that's a big part of it. I just, well, I just think, I think there's a, there's probably like a blurry line where people think when I talk about that physicality, I'm like teasing or like talking trash or something. The truth is, you all have the fewest yellow cards in the whole summit league right now. Like you, oh, you do we? Like you all just play. You all just play gritty. Like you play hard, but it's not trash soccer. It's just there's a lot yeah. of physicality. And I think oh, I didn't know that teams that can live up to that physicality level, but aren't just like chopping legs yeah. the whole time. Like mm -hmm. the, being physical can be great. Like that can be super entertaining. Like the yeah. chopping down and the trash soccer isn't fun. But like mm -hmm. you all are fully just you know. Use, using your frame, like using your shoulder, whatever. Yeah. I mean, did that style of play sort of attract you? Have you always played with like a little bit of physicality? I mean, I've always been a physical player. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it too much. <laughs> I guess like, I think it is different, like co coming from like club and high school soccer though, to like division one. Right. It's like, it is like a completely different game as far as physicality and stuff. Right. Like I have a younger sister who plays soccer too. And I'm like, you gotta be ready, like to be strong, like, like she's um she's going to Kansas State and so I'm like those Big Twelve center backs like aren't gonna let you just receive the ball. Big Twelve is nuts, man. Big Twelve is nuts. All right, uh, I'll take a quick break just to let folks know this show is brought to you by Pence Homes. Whether you're buying or selling or looking to do some projects in your home, Nate and Lydia can help you find what you need. Need financing for a basement remodel? Looking to add a second bath or even a workspace now that you're working from home? Pence Homes and their preferred lender Angie Shear with Luminant Financing can help find the right financing tool for you. Go to pencehomes.com and learn more or find them on social media at Pence Homes. And I think Angie Shear's team also owns the URL gaymortgage.com. So if, if folks wanna are looking for like a, a queer friendly financer, fall out with Angie Shear for sure. And lastly, Cameron, we saved the most important thing for last. This is easily the most important thing. We, we saw on the team team account recently there's a question of who would die first in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, 
Ariana Sanchez or Chez, as as folks call her, I think mm. said you would die first, and we yes. need to get, we need to dive all the way into this. So we need to like first of all, why is she throwing shade? Like, so what's what's the deal? But also, what would your game like? Pitch yourself. Like, what okay. would your game plan be? What's your mindset? What are your skills? Let's go. Um, okay, well, so Chez is actually my roommate, so this. I said her. I said her too, <laughs> but. She said she said me because I'm sure you guys have like watched our games. I kind of falling a lot. So she said <laughs> she was thinking that that I would fall and that's how the zombies would catch me. But I that would not be my game plan. I know I'm not right. the fastest girl out there. I wouldn't be running from the zombies. I think okay. I would like figure out some place to hide out and stay inside, outsmart the zombies would probably right. be my plan. Right. But, this was I and and Mark Mark talks about this even more than I do. Teams putting out this content is like, you know, such a fun way for for fans to have like a casual way to like yeah. learn more about the team, even see a little bit of the personality. Now we know, you know, you two roommates are just dogging each other, which is yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, we we just did another question after practice today. It was like um, what two people would you want to try to survive with on a deserted island? So you guys yeah. can look out for that. Come oh, see. oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna give us a, a like a sneak peek. Oh, I I can tell you guys who I said. I said my two roommates, Soph yeah. and Tez. So see now, see we go from that that contentious moment, and then yeah. you just bring it back. You this moment of healing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I figure we might as well have a good time if we're gonna be out on a deserted island. <laughs> Isa, what would your zombie apocalypse strategy be? Let's go. Oh God. Um, first, uh, uh, I'm like a I'm a collector of things, so I just go out and I'd like just scramble to find everything and anything possible. Yeah. Hoarding, um, hoarding is your strategy. Yes, that is absolutely my strategy because you know what? Might as well cave myself in and uh, I don't know, maybe light the zombies on fire whenever I feel like it. Make me. You'll 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 notice I made I made you guys answer that question. I don't have an answer for that, but that's the that's the magic of me hosting. I don't have to answer that question. Cameron, wow. Cameron, you've been you've been balling out during non-conference play. Can't wait to see you in the Summit League, uh, mm -hmm. battling with those those tough midfielders. You're going to be mm -hmm. patrolling them for the Tomcats. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. All right, last but not least. <laughs> We are we are a full St. Paul crew now for St. Paul native and backline stalwart Audrey Vidmar. Audrey, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Okay, so the team plays like fairly aggressively, especially for like a new squad. Um, that puts a lot of pressure on you all as like defenders to be prepared for like a counter and to like absorb that pressure. Um, but you haven't really given up a lot of goals. Can you like talk about your strategy a little bit? Yeah, no, I think that's a really great question. I think something that um, the coaches have really kind of harped on us this year is, um, I mean, as you said, like our forwards press pretty high and we like to be really aggressive up top. And I think um, as a back line, we've really focused on as the forwards are pushing, you know, getting behind them and really pushing up as a team together. I think especially shifting, we've talked a lot about because if one person doesn't shift, then you know you kind of screw over everyone and so i think those have been like really important things um i think like for example the marquette game they were playing a lot more direct and we did get caught kind of on our heels a few times with um very direct like over the top balls and so i think just learning from that to 
um, drop and then pinch behind was has just been like um, points to focus on for us. Yeah, that that idea of like if a team is going to play a high line with their forwards, then midfields have to go, defense has to go. Like it's it really requires just like a ton of discipline. I mean, just like the mental mm-hmm. discipline. It's you get like actually tired having to focus like that throughout the game. Talk about have you had to play like a high line like that before? Was that something new for you with this program? Yeah, um, I think I mean, thinking back to like Drake and even club, I think at Drake we didn't play as high of a line, and so right. it was more kind of sit back and like wait for them to just give it up. And so right. I think coming to St. Thomas, it was a little different to realize, oh, okay, like our forwards are going, tell the midfield to go, and then tell yourself to just keep running because you need to be there else there's going to be kind of those like awkward gaps between like forward and mids and like right. the defenders and midfield and so it was um I'd say different than uh previous like club teams and my previous college but it's been I mean it's been fun kind of learning a new style of play and I think we've adjusted to it well yeah it's it's crazy the amount of pressure it puts on like like Cameron has to follow the, and then you have to follow Cameron. And it's just like the, the yes. obsessive sort of uh, like being on a string. It's crazy. And yeah. you, you mentioned you started your college career at Drake. So down in, uh, down in Iowa, you mm-hmm. came in as a transfer, you played major minutes last year. You had already been through, you know, being through some D one soccer before, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the recruits were highly rated, highly touted, but it's, they're still sort of brand new to the D1 level or brand new to college soccer in general. So how, you know, you'd been through a D1 experience, but then this is just so different from that. Talk about sort of, did it feel, you know, was there some freedom in thinking like, well, at the very least, like we're brand new. So will people expect anything from us or compared to like your mindset when you went to Drake and you remember feeling the pressure of that. Talk about sort of the differences of, of those two experiences. Yeah, so I think um, I think going to Drake, it was at a time when Drake was doing really well in the Missouri Valley. And so I think, um, you know, going there as a freshman and getting minutes as a freshman, I did feel like a lot of pressure just to, you know, help the team stay kind of at that level. Um, I think coming to St. Thomas, it obviously we are the un- underdogs for, you know, most of the teams we play, but I think um, that's something I love and it's like a position I love to be in because no one's expecting anything of you. Um, I think like personally, um, I did feel like a lot of pressure just because I was a transfer, was coming from a division one school and I wanted to be kind of like that leader and um, be able to like bring my voice and experience to the team. But um, yeah, just like going back, I think no one's really expecting anything of us and like to be able to prove people wrong. It's just been, yeah, really fun. That's a, like, that's a genuinely like a really good feeling to like be the underdog and, you know, like go in and then prove everyone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but you spoke about a little bit how you were like a transfer student, right? So like when you went into the portal, like what were some of like the top line things that you were hoping like out of your new school out of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was at Drake, my freshman year, the pandemic hit and that was really when I realized, I think I wanted to be closer to home. Um, I came back obviously during quarantine and I was like, oh, really nice being home. Um, and I went back for my fall semester, like during COVID um, at Drake and I was coming home, you know, a lot. So it was really, um, it really came down to, I wanted to be back in Minnesota and closer to home. And so I entered the portal, um, 
think it was spring 2021 and I was at home taking classes online and you know I'm St. Paul born and raised and so I knew of St. Thomas um, and I kind of kind of put all my eggs in one basket. I looked around a little, but I was like, I really, really want to go to St. Thomas. And so everything just kind of worked out. Had you, and had you, um, I guess the timing would have been pretty early. Like by the time you were looking at schools way back when obviously St. Thomas was still D3, probably hadn't had any murmurs, maybe not of D1 yet. I can't remember. Certainly not when you were getting recruited because you got recruited like 10 years ago. But the, <laughs> but you know, talk a little bit about sort of what were those conversations like, you know, when you finally were talking to Sheila or when you were even talking to other players that you knew who were going there, you know, since you're a Minnesota kid, I'm sure mm -hmm. you knew of other, you know, players who had already committed. What were sort of, what was the selling point to go to St. Thomas for you? And sort of, you said you really wanted to go there, but what were some of those things that, you know, the program sort of sold you on? Yeah. So I think um, I just remember my first conversation with Sheila, she talked like so highly of like team chemistry and that was kind of, the one thing she um, really focused on, especially when recruiting players. And I, like you said, like I'm a Minnesota kid. There's a lot of Minnesota girls on the team. Um, I had known a few girls, especially like in the class above me who are on St. Thomas. And I like I chatted a ton with them before I committed um, and made like really good connections with them. And so I think like Sheila completely sold me on the team chemistry thing. And when I came here, like that's exactly what it was, all the girls. Um, were nothing but like welcoming to me and to be a transfer student and to feel like so much welcomeness coming in. Um, yeah, just made everything. I'm curious too, what were some of the, I mean, you, you set up these expectations in your head, you have this idea of like, okay, this is how Sheila talked about the program, you know, first year D1, so I expect ABC. What were some of the things, and you'd already been at a program before, what were some of the things that were sort of a surprise or like uh, you maybe didn't expect about sort of being in a new team or playing in a new college or, or any of that stuff? Yeah, well, I think, I know we'd mentioned this, but I think it the thing that really surprised me was kind of the how aggressive we are pushing up mm -hmm. um, and our forwards. Cause that, um, I know like I'm obviously a defender, it doesn't affect me like a ton, but it does in the sense of if I don't step up then I'm kind of screwing over like the whole team. And so I think that was one thing, um, especially last year when we were really trying to put a lot of new players together and, you know, combine um, the existing team already with like our big freshman class, it was really like integrating all the players, seeing where like everyone's going to go. And then also kind of learning how the coaches and Sheila um, want to play in like their style of play. So I think it was just kind of like a lot of moving parts and figuring those out. Cool. All right. Well, we did, you did mention uh, that you're from St. Paul. I did joke with Sheila very early on in the show. I sort of, the first time I noticed the announcer at the games mentioning like, get ready for soccer in the capital city or whatever it is. The capital city vibes was like the first time I heard it, I thought maybe he was just like giving it a try. And then I saw it in like 10 different tweets and then I've seen it at every game and then the, like other sports are posting about it. So it's very clear that St. Thomas is trying to like own St. Like we're the St. Paul school, which I actually think is pretty cool. Issa's born and bred St. Paul. She has a lot more cred than me uh, in this city. I, I've only lived here for like a decade. She's She has multiple uh, years on top of that. And so we are, we are gonna go ahead and pick your brain on some St. Paul things. Cause obviously, you went to De La Salle, so you know stuff across the river too. Like you know yep. the whole intro. 
But we need to give this audience some hardcore St. Paul vibes right now. We're going to narrow all the way in. So give us, talk a little bit about what are some favorite restaurants of yours. Let's hype some stuff up. Let's spread the word. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Putting me on the spot. Let's see. Um, I think this is just like a classic and obvious one. Cafe Latte is probably one of my favorites, Um, especially if you like cake, like 100% recommend that. Um, I think some of these might be chains and that's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, some of my other favorites are like Brasa, which is on Grand. Brasa's um, good. Coconut Thai. Um, if you're oh, if you're looking for more like Indian Nepalese, it's Everest on Grand is really Oof. good. Um, oh, Everest is. <laughs> I used to live two blocks from Everest. And I would walk, I would walk from like where I would park my bike, walk home. And it's like, you just have to smell that garlic naan. Like they're yep. just going to make me smell that all day. Yep. <laughs> no, it like you mean it. You just know you have to go there then. So, um, yeah, I, I'll keep thinking. But those well, are probably like my top favorites. Isa, drop some in here. Let, let's show some love. Um, well, I think this might be just like because of like my ethnic background, but Boca Chica oh, yeah. and uh, Buca de Pepo. Um, those are some of my favorites, um, but also like, like Audrey said, cafe latte is amazing. I love <laughs> cafe latte, um, um, but there's also this Vietnamese place that me and my parents go to a lot. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, where is it? You know, I just I just give them the order, and my dad goes to pick it up. I don't know where it is. I think I've maybe been there I- once. I think it's on university. Oh, maybe maybe non bistro or something. Who knows? The, I, oh, is it not? Yeah, I was gonna. I, that was I was gonna say too. <laughs> it's in 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 Midway. I I ride hard for Faux Pastor. I ride hard for Master Noodle, which is at the Hamlin Station. It's oh, they're they're both they're both complete killers. They're absolutely the best. <laughs> I'm right by Groundswell. We'll call it that. Actually, we'll use that excuse, Audrey. We, I'm sure you have a lot of different study strategies. Let's pretend one of them is hitting up a coffee shop. Talk about, oh, do you have any favorite coffee spots in, um, in the capital city? Yeah, well, this is probably very biased just because I drive, I literally drive by it like every day, Quixotic in Highland. Oh. Um, that's like one of my favorites. The vibes there are just amazing, especially for studying. Um, well, wait, let's, wait a second. Describe these vibes. Give us a vibe check. <laughs> It's just very, like, very calming, like, lots, just, I don't, like, a typical, I'd say, typical coffee shop, you know? Um, I'd say also Spy House, which I know is, like, also a chain. There's some in Minneapolis, but there's one one in St. Paul, like, really close to St. Thomas, too. Yeah. Um, I'd say those are probably my two main ones that I go to just because they're close. Nice. That's, yeah, and I, I will say we, I mentioned De La Salle earlier, you have experience in both cities. <laughs> we try not to be a militant. Uh, St. Paul podcast, but we can show our bias uh, today. You, if, if people maybe, you know, are, have only gone to like a random Twins game or something, or only ever go to Minneapolis, you're you're basically working for the St. Paul Visitors Bureau right now. Describe <laughs> describe some things you mentioned. You want to be back home. You love being back home. Talk about sort of uh, what you love about St. Paul, or what things you were sort of missing being, you know, all the all the way down in uh, Des Moines. All the way down, yeah. Um, Honestly, it was a big one was the lakes, which I know were the land of whatever, 10,000 lakes. Like, I, like being in Iowa, you're kind of like, 
wow, there's not, there's nothing around here. Um, and I think actually I did take for granted um, the Twin Cities in general, like with right. Minneapolis, it's like huge compared to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, and that like, just there's so many things to do. Like you can get up, you can like go on a walk around the lake, you can go to a, like a new coffee shop somewhere, you can, you know, go play like mini golf. Like there's so many different things. Um, Right. That I, yeah. So I, maybe, maybe like the right word is I felt a little isolated down there, but just like coming back and like being in a place where like things were very familiar. Um, right. Yeah. I went to, I went to college in Morris, Minnesota, go Cougars okay. and, and I'm <laughs> proud of it. But the, the vibes out there is a town of 5,000 people. And I grew up in a town of 1,000, but it like, that town was a lake town that always had events and crap going on and okay, there were bars yeah. and restaurants. And so I completely get the whole thing of like, Des Moines actually isn't that tiny, but <laughs> the whole difference of sort of, does it feel like there's stuff going on or not? Right, and right. just sort of, it's like out of your control. It's like, does it feel like there's stuff I can go do? And if not, uh -huh. you start to be like, oh man, I miss going to wherever. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Isa, any other, any other questions we should, should lob at Audrey? Um, what is like your, like, okay, so I have like personal like comfort spots whenever I go anywhere. So like, what is some like little, like, what's this like little like unknown like place that like you really like to go to or like have like, you know, mm -hmm. been to that, you know, not a lot of people from like out of state would know about? Oh, well, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I actually, during the pandemic, like, when you couldn't like really see anyone, I, um, me and my friends would like go to random parks and just like sit on blankets and talk to each other. And um, it's called like, I wanna say it's called like Eagle Overlook. It's in Summit Hill, um, but they like, I just found out they host like a ton of like outdoor like yoga classes or stuff like that. Or you can just go there and like read and it's like super nice and calming and it's like right by like pretty close to the capital pretty close to like it's, food places is um, that the one that's the park right at like the ramsey hill and summit where like yes. summit turns yeah yes it's yeah it's i just say it's like really fun and i'm just i haven't been there and so yeah and audrey did we did i catch you earlier referencing are you a highland person you live in highland yes i am highland or, village <laughs> tell, tell, tell you what we will go down there and we will do a feature on, on equal time and we're gonna like paddleboard the Highland Bridge water feature. Okay, sounds we're great. Gonna, are there any other are there any other St. Paul natives on the squad? Mm-mm. I'm the only one. All right, you, Isa, and I are gonna go paddleboard the water feature. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> I love it. We got so granular and no one gives a shit what we just talked about. And I love it so much. <laughs> And we gave lots of great options, restaurants. We, we, you, <laughs> we talked about like very in-depth pressing tactics too. We got plenty of good soccer and we talked about spacing between the lines. We got nerdy as hell about soccer. All right. Well, uh, this is the close of our Epic St. Saint, Saint Thomas conference play preview show. You've all have been playing super aggressive, battling every single game in non-conference play. Now the Summit League has come around again. Audrey Vidmar, star transfer defender for the Tomcats. Alongside Isa, I'm Matt. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.